here's my parable. My family, as we have talked about for many a year on this podcast now, have season tickets to Husker football games. And it's a rhetorical tool mostly for on this podcast for me to throw around like, oh, we donate to the university, we have these tickets, we do all this shit, we put up with all this BS, and now look at the team. People should care about this football team because people care what happens, you know? Um, And so, generally... Especially for the last home game of the year. It's a little bit, it's, it's never really a problem. There's never really any arguments, but it's a little bit of a scramble to be like, oh, who's got the tickets for that game? Especially if it's the Iowa game or the Wisconsin game, because those are big deal games in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, are we busy people? Yes. Is the weather going to be bad? Yes. Are there plenty of adverse factors going into tomorrow's game? Absolutely. But, this is the first marquee against one of our, like, late in the year against one of our side of the conference Big Ten rival games. None of us want to go to. We just don't care. No one's using, I think, any of the tickets. Now, I might, like, throw something together this evening because I feel bad if the tickets just don't get used, right? Because we bought the damn things. But it's going to be 26 degrees at 11 in the goddamn morning so that we can be the big noon, which is not noon for us, or Wisconsin kickoff. I don't know what to say about how disappointing this season has been at this point. That it, that it brought us to the point where it's like genuinely, if someone offered me $20, I still don't know if I would want to, like, go through the process of, like, talking my friends with you. It's mostly a feeling of guilt that it's like, I don't want this to go to waste. It's a live sporting event. It's stupid not to. Hey, Justin, do you want to leave Carney at, like, 8.30 to make an 11 o'clock game with one of our tickets? And 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 miss college game day with my beloved Montana State Bobcats hosting? No chance. <laughs> Okay, this is the thing. I I am a big Montana fan. Wait, really? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm go Grizz, man. I am a big like Montana University fan. Show show your bona fides because uh, let's see if this works with my camera. Nice. I'm not gonna get it, but I have a Grizz T-shirt. Oh wow! How how'd you acquire that? Because for those of you who aren't. Uh, watching this visually, which is everyone but Nick. Uh, I showed him my Montana State beach towel that I have displayed in my uh, living room because I was going shopping at Target and that was on display. And I just wondered what market there could possibly be for the second largest school in Montana in the fourth largest city in Nebraska. So I had to buy it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Like, and don't get me wrong, I have, like, no real... Maybe I should, as, like, a true Montana Grizz fan, have beef with Montana State, but I don't... My family... I I, I had a bit of a phrase that I used to say, that I still say, honestly, um, which is that if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, which is sort of what I tell my little brothers when I'm like, no, you just need to try hard at this, and it's going to work out for you. Uh, and so 
because of that, they started calling me Grizzly, hence the nickname Grizz. So that became my nickname. And then my mom was on a business trip to um, Montana, and she swung by a Missoula, I believe, is the yes, city. That, that's where UM is. Yes, you. yeah. Like the third or fourth most important UM. <laughs> in the, it's got to be behind both Miami's, Michigan, Missouri. <laughs> We're down to what, at least five. I, you could convince me Maine is more important. No. No, yeah, because they don't even, like, play basketball. And, like, yeah. Maine lost to Nebraska at basketball. The Montana Grizz are a regular staple in the FCS playoffs. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, that is why she bought me a shirt. I was actually like, hey, this is a dope t-shirt with a, like, very cool school colors, very cool branding around the school. Missoula seems like a great town. Like, if I could go back in time and, like, decide to just on a whim apply to the University of Montana, I think I would have had a very fun four years at that school. Like, it it just seems like a great place to be. There's fly fishing. There's still great football. Much more competitive football than has been played in Lincoln in the last four years. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Go Grizz. Go Cats. And total aside... Because we're starting off tangents early. Uh, Nebraska playing Maine got me thinking. I never think about Maine. Yeah. It like, is the, Maine, the most and New state. Hampshire, I think, are the two most forgettable states. Because at least the Wyomings and Montanas of the world are big on a map. Maine and New yeah. Hampshire, you have to look for. Vermont had, like, Bernie, and he was relevant for eight years, which is more than what Maine or New Hampshire can say. I can't name a single person from either of those two states. Who do I know that's from New Hampshire? So, New Hampshire looms large for me because I'm applying to jobs in New Hampshire right now because southern New Hampshire is basically the Boston metro area. Um, Maine, I am only interested in for... One of my long-held hobby horses, visiting every national park. I have to go to Acadia National Park in Maine. In Montana, there is Glacier National Park. But thats I don't think that's anywhere close to Missoula. Montana is just like kind of one giant national park with a few towns in between. Yeah, I mean, the entire western United States, save for like... Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, and San Francisco is one. Like, there's more federal land in the state of Wyoming than there is Wyoming. <laughs> this That's fun, worth thinking about. <laughs> this fun geography pack, facts podcast is brought to you by the Nebraska Cornhuskers football program. So... <laughs> what? Why not have tangents now? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. No, I, I, that's literally all I had to add. Like, after Scott got, got fired, this season was just house money. If Mickey can lead a miracle turnaround, great. But if not, would anybody honestly expect any other wide receivers coach to do different in the country? No. Nope. 
So and we, how- we put it all on double zeros and we lost. And like that's okay because it, it was a free spin. Like yeah. So so now we just get to walk around the casino and uh dance on Bama's grave because this is enjoy our free drinks to the fade during bull season, but not actually like you know have any skin left in the game. I'm enjoying college football more now that Nebraska's season is over. It's a college football is a remarkably fun sport when you work on Saturdays and it's just kind of vaguely happening in the background. And then you can like sit down, watch the Pac-12 game, catch up on the highlights. Like I I've really enjoyed the bullshit that is just like mid middle of the season. Like, yeah, sometimes you have the time to watch a super fun game. Like, I got a lot of um, LSU-Alabama I watched a lot of live, right? That was fun. Go Tigers, right? But otherwise, you know, it's it's just, it's it's so... This fall is meaningless in the state of Nebraska now. It's just devoid of the thing that makes fall fall. I I believe strongly that like Christmas starts when the Huskers are no longer bowl eligible. And like we're not anymore. So as as LeBron would say it's now the thirstiest time of the year. Great reference. Yes. We've discussed this before so I won't get into the Christmas calendar and our disagreements on said topic, but uh yeah, uh, this is definitely, I'd say, the most reminiscent of a Mike Riley's final year, but for a different purpose. Because every other Nebraska season I can remember, it was, you know, the Bow years was when we I basically was old enough to actually have conscious, you know, memories of every every game and the scope of what was happening. And then with Bo Pelini, it was, you know, constant nine and four. Maybe next year will be the year you take that next leap. That never happened. We canned them. New coach. Maybe this guy will be the savior year one. Oh, okay. Bad luck first year. Second year, pretty good. You lost two games you shouldn't have, but nine and four. Maybe next year will be the year. And then you realized almost immediately that was not going to be the case. And then Saturdays just felt pointless, and I looked around for other games to watch, and I had an amazing time, because that was the UCF year. And uh, that there was some good stuff there. And uh this year's like that, except for it's not the, uh I guess, disappointment of uh, what the Mike Riley was, as you just watched a team collapse week after week to the point where... They weren't even entertaining to watch because they didn't care. This is just a team that's, you know, making the most out of what they've got, which is nothing. And uh, that's unentertaining for different reasons. But at least I have some sense of pride in the they get out there and uh, kind of give a crap about what they're doing ostensibly after old Scott got canned. But that's not enough to make me watch the game like. Second half of Michigan after that weird fumble touchdown, I just stopped watching and, uh, cause there was other entertaining stuff on. 
And I think uh, Saturday at 11 a.m., I'll have the Nebraska-Wisconsin on my TV just to monitor it, but I'll have a couple other games on my computer that I'll probably be paying more attention to. UConn and Army. Bowl-eligible UConn, after winning four games since 2018, is not guaranteed a bowl unless it beats Army, because they are an independent with no bowl tie-ins, because bowl politics are a real thing, America. <laughs> and uh UConn never bothered to think what would happen if they were good enough to where these politics would matter. And now it might haunt them, unless they beat Army. That's That's the game of the weekend. See, this is the beautiful thing about, like, mid to late season college football. And I'm probably at the end of the year, we'll do a big, like, hey, like death and taxes, the the expanded playoff comes for us all. Um, But, like, I'm worried that this will change. But right now we're living in this world where it's like, dude, UConn has a game that really matters this weekend. And Nebraska used to be one of those teams where, like, man, we used to lose to Wisconsin a lot. We used to lose to, like, pick A&M late in the season quite a damn bit, you know, like, back in the Big 12. We would lose to Texas. We would lose to Oklahoma. Stuff, you know, stuff like that. But at least we had games where it's like, oh man, if we win this one, stuff will be different. We go to a different bowl game. And even, like, even in the early Scott years and the Mike Riley years, we had a lot of games where it's like, beat Iowa, make a bowl. Did we ever do that? No, absolutely not. That was not our MO. But the game mattered enough that I wanted to get up off my ass on a freezing Saturday at, like, at the time at, like, 8 a.m. so that I could get in line to sit in there, like, to be in line by 8 a.m. to get good spots in the student section. And I think Justin remembers those years, and we did that because that team mattered. Yeah. Uh, at least to us, it, it, th- there was enough skin left in the game, but we have lost every shred of our dignity in Lincoln, Nebraska. We just, if, if you gave us the option, I genuinely think some Husker fans would be like, my mental health would be better. I would be a happier person. If we just didn't play these next two games. Probably. I'm saying some fans would feel that way. I'm not saying everybody would. Yeah. I There are definitely some fans where I could see that being the case, but it's like, you fool who had expectations. Oh, yeah. But at, we at, did. At, what I both did going into this year. Oh, yeah, going into this year. But after you fire your coach who lost to Georgia Southern... What could you have honestly reasonably expected to happen next? Like, yeah. And bear in mind, uh, we are dooming over a Wisconsin team that is five and five. Oh, with this coach is... who was in his sixth game. By all rights, this would have been the perfect year for Nebraska to go to the Big Ten championship. That's yes. what's so frustrating about this is that we almost beat that damn Purdue team. We hung around late with a one like a really shittish team against that Illinois team. We almost beat Northwestern. There has not been an important game on our side of the conference where we just got blown out. Like, 
this was such a weak Big Ten West. And and even the chance to go lose to Ohio State or Michigan, for what it's worth, I think it'll be Michigan, go blue. The chance to go lose to them in a Big Ten title game would have been awesome. That would have been so cool if the administration of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln had held the machine together a little better. But we are just the story of what happens when you have a bad transition after a mediocre, and then a mediocre transition, and then a bad transition, and then a terrible coach hire decision. Right? We are just like the cascading, but like the Polini Huskers, even the most mid Polini Husker team would have beat this Wisconsin team. Would easily beat that Iowa team next week, which I still think we might do. Iowa's bad. I think they figured things out, honestly. A little bit, a little bit, but they're also bad in the ways that match up poorly against a healthy Casey Thompson. Which we'll find out what degree of health he's at Saturday, because we haven't even mentioned that. Uh, Our backup quarterbacks are hilariously bad. (laughs) Dude, man named Chubba. We put the hope of this state in the hands of a man named Chubba. And if Thompson gets dinged up again, we are a heartbeat away from a walk-on from Hastings taking snaps. So, Dude, and like, that's what we deserve. <laughs> like, because we don't have an offensive line. No. So, of course, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. Right? Andrew Luck would have, like, two lacerated kidneys and a punctured lung if he was playing. No, he'd have a great time because he's a masochist, right? (laughs) But he would have retired after his college career if he played at Nebraska. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care if he won four Heismans in a row here. We wouldn't protect him. No. And, uh, so, something you mentioned earlier in your rant was, uh, the holding it, if, if the administration and whatnot held it together a bit longer, we'd probably win the West this year. What that means to me is if you fired Scott after 2020. Oh yeah. No, that, I think that's, that's, that's a point. But that, that, that's sort of the point of my rant though, right? Is there's so many points of diversion where you can just avoid, like, stay somewhere amidst the ranks of mediocrity. Like, I think Mike Riley wins the Big Ten West this year. No. Yeah, I I genuinely do. Brett Bielema is ten times the coach Mike Riley is. I don't doubt it, but Brett Bielema is having a down year. All you had to do was hold the ship together. I don't, I don't think so. I, I think the bar is higher than Mike Riley for even this Big Ten West. I don't, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, but like, yeah. Fire Scott earlier. Never hire Scott. Never, because it, it becomes more and more clear as time goes on that the red flags were in fact there. They just weren't public enough to be seen. So never hire Scott. Never hire Mike. Never fire Bo, which not here to relitigate that again. But I think if that doesn't happen, you win the Big Ten West this year, right? Like, this this all goes back as it all does to Solich. Get rid of Callahan faster, 
<laughs> so that the team is a little bit like more of a hot property moving forward. You can attract better coaches at that time. You know, I, I don't know, man. This is. I think it's about time we take a deep breath and we let our memories of Bo Pelini and Frank Solich go. Yeah. We're just not that team anymore. No. Would, would keeping them around have changed things and we'd be in a better place? I would say unequivocally yes, but that's only because we are where we are now, which is the power five team with the longest bull drought in college football. Damn. So that brings us to the importance of this next hire. And I think that uh, I told myself, I'm not going to read anything. Just wake me up when we've got the guy. Because I, all I did was read rumors for like the first three days after he fired Scott. And like, holy crap, we've got three more months before we know anything. I broke that these last two weeks because we have had some funny, funny rumors. And I'd, I, I wanted to do a segment where I, uh, corral every single one of them and, uh, rank on a scale, but I just didn't have time this week because I was doing not that. But, uh, the NHL 23 create a team mode is insanely in depth and I want to shout that out. <laughs> so that's what not that means, but, but here, here are my favorites so far. Monday was supposed to be the day Matt Rule was announced because of a private flight tracked from Charlotte, where the Panthers play, to Omaha that was commissioned by a truck company that sponsors the Panthers. That begs multiple questions as of why did the truck company finance a man's personal flight and why did he fly into Omaha but not Lincoln? But nevertheless, the Husker Internet thought that meant Matt Rule right now. It did not. And then a couple days before that, or after that, time has no meaning anymore. The wide receivers coach who got fired from Ohio State because of domestic abuse Urban Meyer covered up said that he knew for a fact that it was going to be none other than Deion Sanders. And that was a done deal. Coach Prime, undefeated FCS head coach, gets his big break here in the Midwest. And that has since been denied by Dion and everyone who knows him. <laughs> Other very fun rumors include a one message board post where a booster was allegedly at the barber shop of a member of said forum. <laughs> and that booster would not shut up about how they've got Urban Meyer lined up. Th th those are the three I remember off the top of my head. We've had Leipold and Campbell rumors as well just this week. This fan base is going insane. Chicken rumors too. I think those are the hottest right now. Um, yeah, it's so Trev went on the radio. I think either last night or two nights ago. Wednesday, yes. And basically said you're all stupid, and I loved that. <laughs> I that my trust Trevo meter has been like topping out this entire time. And he just broke it on Wednesday. He got a rating higher than my meter could possibly go to. Like, the trust Trev meter went from, like, all right, let's see, to I trust Trev when he fired Scott. When he said, this is going to, we're hiring a professional firm, 
We are taking our damn time. I know this town is used to long, sad, slow coaching, basically scandals every time we hire a coach. But we're going to do this like regular people, right? Like, Trev Alberts broke the trustometer by refusing to treat Nebraska like it is special. That is that is how he he just built so much trust with me. I no longer need a meter. Like I trust him through this coaching hire. If it doesn't work out, I trust him through the next one. And if that doesn't work out, I trust him through the next one. I think I genuinely think Trev. Now there are a lot of rumors that it's like a short term thing that he doesn't want to do this job forever. I think it's because it's probably. Pardon my French, and I apologize to any children listening. Incredibly fucking stressful. Dig down deep and ask yourself, dude on Twitter, for another week until Twitter dies. It's not gonna die. It's not gonna die. It's it's totally BS. I mean, yeah. will someone else buy the company? <laughs> Maybe. Will Elon Musk lose a lot of money? Almost certainly. Will Twitter be worse for a while? Like, will it not update? Will it not change? Will it not get better? Absolutely. Was this in a huge farce? Yes, but it's not going to die. Twitter's Twitter's too big to fail. No. Um, the number one reason, besides all everything you mentioned, that I know Twitter's not going to die, it's because everyone on Twitter thinks it's going to die. Yeah. Every time Twitter agrees on something, it doesn't happen. Yep. And then everyone in a, it just immediately is like, actually, actually hot take. I didn't say that. It's... I, I I think a fun bit would be a year from now, signing up for Mastodon and promoting it heavily like people are doing now. <laughs> just like <laughs> a year too late after everyone's forgotten about this one week where people tried to make that a thing. Yeah, I... That's a free bit for anybody who wants to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you should do it yourself. I think you should schedule the tweets now. Yeah. I've been meaning to do that bit for forever with MySpace, where I sign up for a MySpace account because it still exists. But that's... It's like just a music platform now. So... (laughs) If Twitter dies, I think we should all go yik-yak. I tweeted this last night, but, like, Yik Yak is like Twitter with zero accountability. Someone asked it a Yik Yak. I looked at a couple days ago, like, drop your favorite Nebraska state senators. And, of course, because it's Yik Yak, you get the whole, like, Megan Hunt and, like, like all of the, like, fairly, like, liberal ones because it's college kids on Yik Yak. And then someone straight up said, like, Karl Marx, and I was like, hell yeah, because no one can ever tell who you are like you just yeah that's that's some fire shit right there honestly carl marx with a c and a ks is a totally believable name for nebraska state senator yo yeah he hits his marks yeah yeah um well we have we have five minutes left in this particular zoom call I, I love um, this is just a free segment divider. It's like we're on the radio. This is the hard yeah, no, it's out. good. We have to go to like our, our commercial break. Yeah. Um, what else, what else can fill five minutes about this coaching search? I'd say don't expect to know anything until after Iowa. 
Uh, and of yeah. all the no message board rumor I mentioned, and even the ones I didn't have any credibility, the two things that I have, I am putting any weight into is that, uh, Mitch Sherman of The Athletic has reported that he believes Matt Rule to be at the top of the list. He has said nothing of contact or interest. He just believes he is near the top of the list. So that's a tangible inf- piece of information by somebody connected to us. And then somebody but I don't, connected I don't to want to criticize him, but why? Criticize Did who? Did he give any reason why? Why, why Matt Rule is? Oh, 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 he listed his uh, accolades and coaching style and why that'd be a fit here and all that stuff. Sure. But that doesn't mean he wants the damn job. It, it just means we want him and we're looking for him. So that's. <laughs> I just, I just don't think anybody knows anything. Yeah, I know. Like I said, that's the best piece of information I have. And that is somewhat counteracted by, like, as you said, Pete Thamel, who uh, is a more national uh, college football reporter, not connected to the Huskers at all, said that he, in his instincts, he did not claim to have a source for this other than what he feels will happen. Matt Rule will be on TV next year and not take a coaching job. Those are the only two valuable pieces of information related to the Husker coaching search on its candidates I have had this week. There's Leipold and Kleiman may sign extensions, but that hasn't stopped people before because money is fake. So... I tend to agree with the latter one. Like, it's it's that simple. I just think that one makes more sense. Um, I don't think Rule would want this job. I don't know why Leifold really wants to leave Kansas. Um, I guess this is a better school, but it's also a lot more pressure. Leifold is God Emperor for life. He will never get fired at Kansas if it takes him another 10 years to build a team like this one, which is a good but not great Kansas team. But for like, the standard why... of Kansas, my yeah. word. Yeah. So, man, I don't know. Like, my hope against hope is that Lane Kiffin actually wants to come here. I oh, think no chance. He... I don't think so, though. No chance. If if there is one SEC coach I think has an outside shot at the job, and I have no confidence that he will either leave this school or be interested in this job, I think it would be Mark Stoops of Kentucky. But why would Stoops leave Kentucky? He's got a good thing going. He, does, he has a good thing going, but there are only two reasons I can think of. One, he appears to have reached his ceiling at that job because another part of it is too the administration does not care about football anywhere near as much as it cares about men's basketball so no matter how good he does there it will never be good enough there was that friction earlier this year between him and Calipari that's literally it yeah that probably got blown up by the media a little too much too oh absolutely no more than the what Lane Kiffin's side has got blown up, but I think there's at least something there with Mark. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that. Hopefully we have a better team to talk about next year. Yeah. <laughs> or at least in one that feels makes us feel something. One that feels less embarrassing. Yeah. I'm embarrassed by this team. 
like I said, I am not because I expected nothing else. This team might as well not exist because this is just a wash. All right. You ready to talk about something less friggin' miserable? Sure. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll start What's another next? one. Again, and then we'll... Thanks, computer voice. Hell yeah. This this episode brought to you by Radiohead's OK Computer. <laughs> Great album. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm not a huge Radiohead guy, but anyway, we're I'm, not I'm, talking... I'm not, I, I appreciate what they do, but like, the more conventional their music sounds, the more I like it, so... We are, is the we are team song. the Benz over here. <laughs> the Benz is great. Creep is their best song. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. What do you want from me? I don't, I don't like six minutes of abstract violins. <laughs> God. Okay, I, I have an update to the parable from the beginning of the story. All right. Uh, my, my uncle sent us a joke, um, from... What in the hell is Furman's coach doing? What's that? Okay, very sorry to interrupt your parable tangent, but I have been watching the Furman versus Old Dominion game from the Shiners Children's Charleston Classic <laughs> this entire pod because ESPNU <laughs> is the best network on the ESPN family, and uh, they just cut over to Furman's coach on the sideline, and this is what he was doing for a solid 10 seconds. What context is that heaven basketball? Screen. Oh, is that what screen means? I, I think that's a sign for, for everyone who can't see the pod, which is everyone. Uh, Justin and I are waving our hand in front of our face in a very John Cena, you can't see me like fashion. Yeah. I think my, my interpretation of that, drop your comments on Twitter at us for this one, cause I am genuinely curious. I think that means screen. Okay, that would make sense. I will take any answer. <laughs> yeah, I, just anything to make that make sense. Because I imagine, like, an old man doing that would be a very scary thing to look at. Oh, he's middle-aged. Oh, wow. Okay, what, uh... Well, that was some ageism on me. I just assumed that, like, old... O- only old people can be basketball coaches. He did it again after his guy just drained a three. He really wants somebody to screen. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. What, what update to the parable do you have? Uh, yes. My uncle sent us a joke that he credits to Rod Richardson, which says, I had four tickets on the dashboard of left car. Le- and came back. There was more. That's. Yeah. If that ain't the oldest sports joke in the book, it's up there. But it's good. That's a yes. funny joke. I laughed. It was good. I'm glad I checked my text in the middle of the podcast. That's some funny shit, man. How uh, you are, that's some funny right there. Yeah. Dude, I mean, any entertainment I can glean out of this goddamn catastrophe. Speaking of goddamn catastrophes we are attempting to glean entertainment out of, let's talk about... The lovely nation of Qatar, or possibly Qatar, or possibly Qatar, or, 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 like, listen, man, if, if your human rights record is this bad, I, 
can't be bothered to pronounce your name correctly. So we are going to talk about the World Cup. That being said, we need to add a disclaimer to the start of our conversation about this year's World Cup. Those of you who are the most casual soccer fans will say to yourselves when you see a commercial with John Hamm playing Santa Claus on Fox Sports, why is the World Cup happening in the wintertime? Well, it's because we're going to the nation of Qatar. And it is, as one might expect, in a uh, oil emirate, really damn hot in the summertime there. So much so that there were player safety concerns. And the World Cup was delayed until the winter time. Uh, this also because it is Qatar's peak tourism season. Qatar has a lot of oil money. This is just brief geopolitical lesson, but realizes that oil money will not last forever. And so is using their oil money to transform their country to be much, much, much more wealthy so that it can survive post-oil. One of the ways that has done this, as the Persian Gulf is legitimately a lovely place to visit, from all accounts, uh, by doing tourism. We've seen this from a lot of other countries in the region. Uh, Dubai comes to mind as a city that has popped up over the last 20, 30 years to be one of the preeminent cities in the world. Um, but make no mistake, these are all tales of a similar cloth which is horrific, horrific worker exploitation and religiously based despicable governments. Uh, you, in Qatar, the biggest things that, and I am frustrated with a lot of Western media outlets and the way that they've covered this so like, oh, this is just a thing that's happening instead of the tone that everyone needs to be taking towards this, which is, oh my God, this is ridiculous. FIFA is a joke and this is despicable. But here's some things you cannot do in Qatar. And these range from the, like, extremely kind of banal and bullshit to legitimate human rights abuses. Um, and also, we'll mix in some things they've just done. Uh, players whose teams use the captain's armbands as a support of gay uh, in support of gay rights which has become sort of a thing that many many countries have done in recent years have been asked not to do that rainbow banners are being asked not to be held it seems like as far as the teams they're not going to disallow players from using captain's armbands but fans will be policed if they bring any sort of political messaging into the stadium um, no outward shows of, um, sort of like same sex relationships will be allowed in the country the entire time. Um, massive human rights abuses of Nepalese migrant refugee workers and from, from sort of all over in, um, Central and Eastern Asia. They had slaves build the stadiums, and some of them died. A lot of them died. A ridiculous number of them died. So many of them died that even the Qataris said it's actually profitable to give them better working conditions because we're wasting so much money 
attracting them and hiring them when we could just be keeping them alive. Like, Qatar capitalism so hard, they broke it for themselves and had to reel back and say, oh, God, we need literally any form of worker protection. Uh, they don't seem to care about the terrible press that they're getting for any of this. Um, they don't seem to care that they are pissing off critical FIFA sponsors, including Budweiser, uh, as, and listen, this all gets very tricky. I am not trying to step on anybody's toes or condemn anyone's personal beliefs. I do think it is, there are lines about what you can reasonably expect and not, but just from a purely, like, business end of the sports standpoint, Budweiser, critical FIFA sponsor, will not be allowed to sell beer. That's something that came out earlier today. Um, which is, man, how did this happen? I'm hoping, genuinely, on a certain level, that this World Cup wakes enough people up and enough people in powerful positions to either say one of two things, either A, intelligent, well-meaning, thoughtful nations need to start their own tournament separate from FIFA and host a different World Cup, and soccer the worldwide needs to be taking steps away from FIFA, which we're already seeing. UEFA has done a lot to move away from FIFA. Uh, CONCACAF has done a lot to move away from FIFA. Um, those more regional and reasonable, um, football federations moving in that direction. Here's what it all boils down to. If you're going to watch this World Cup, I think you need to understand that. And I, I said early on when we started talking about will we talk about the World Cup on this podcast, I said to Justin, like, I think we need to just give a disclaimer that this is happening because this is what sports washing does. If we don't acknowledge this and we decide to do a FIFA World Cup preview, then we're playing into exactly what the bad guys want, which is to ignore the fact that this is awful for the world that horrible human rights abuses have been, and also that it's just a joke. Yeah. Like, that's, that's something that I feel really strongly about Live Golf as well, which is a Saudi-propped-up sports-washing enterprise. Live Golf is terrible. It's also hilarious. It's hilarious because also the PGA Tour was pretty bad to begin with. And it's hilarious to watch guys on Twitter think that their favorite golfers aren't just going to go where the money is. Because of course they are. You're a professional golfer. You've never made a moral decision in your life. Naturally, you're headed towards wherever the money is. So, I mean, I think that this is a similar thing. I wish more countries had boycotted. At the same time, I am going to watch it. Because it's the World Cup. It only comes around once every four years. I think that good can come out of this. I expect some teams and certain players to make really profound, meaningful political statements um, against what's happening in Qatar. And I'm hopeful that this becomes a catalyst for change, which is why I said to myself, you know what, fine, it's worth watching this World Cup. And we also have the World Cup coming to the United States in four years. 
I'm really hopeful that between us, Canada, and Mexico, we can be better hosts. We can show the World Cup, show the world what a World Cup should look like. And you know what? I hope nobody dies because we don't even have to build any more stadiums. So, and boy, oh boy, can America hawk some goddamn Budweiser. So, I expect that to go well. But that's my little disclaimer. Do you have anything to add there, Justin? Nothing too much beyond what you already covered. Just, yeah. Like, I'm going to watch this World Cup. Because unlike Live Golf, there is no equal or alternative to this. And from a person like me who who does not care about club football, but loves international football, because I understand countries far easier than I understand uh, the history of English towns. Uh, (laughs) This is an itch I get to scratch like once every two years at most. But it's something I love, something I love doing, you know, for the one month, every couple years, it's great. But, uh, yeah, this should not be happening. I will add that despite this being obvious for over a decade at this point since it was awarded, uh, this is not me giving this man or this organization any credit whatsoever. But, like, based on the, oh, geez, I shouldn't have done that by Set Bladder, I don't think this is going to happen again. I do. I And I'm not, like, that plugged into FIFA. There are a lot of really smart people who are legitimately saying FIFA has learned its lesson. But look at the Olympics. After Sochi, we heard, it's not going to a place like this again. And then the World Cup immediately went to Russia and played games in Sochi, a place where very similar things happened. This is the state of international sport, and it will be as long as the amount of money that is changing hands is changing hands. It's a mob. It's a cartel. One thing I will add is that I think the Olympic sort of upkeeping cost is way, I'd say, more than the World Cup when you have locations like the U.S. with pre-made stadiums. Like, not everywhere. There are very few cities in the world who have a pre-made Nordic combined ring. But there's plenty of places in the world where you can find stadiums that can house a football match. So, I I tend to agree with you. I think that's especially true of the Winter Olympics. Yeah. Which is why it has a tendency to go to places that... Or, for instance, um, South Korea, which doesn't have snow. And natural snow is pretty damn important, too. And it became a problem. It became a legitimate safety concern on the alpine slopes that they were skiing on ice. And, like, listen, man, I learned to ski on a hill in Iowa. Like, trust me, it's better after it snowed. Like, I understand that, like, money is what money is, but... Ugh. You know, it's, um, international sport is frustrating writ large. But I think the best way to do this is, Justin, you are an incredibly fair weather once every four years soccer fan. I am Weiss. not, not an expert, but more plugged into the sport than you. Or thrice. 
Hit me with some questions. All right. Where's, where's your baseline? And we'll work from there. Okay. So first of all, uh, here's, here's all I know. Uh, tournament at large, uh, the favorites are France, Brazil, maybe Argentina, but we're not getting into that. Uh, the, our, I'm not going to say beloved, the team we tolerate, the U.S. Nope. men's national team, uh, the, the one we've that. got. Yep. The U.S. men's national team did qualify, backdoored our way into the last CONCACAF spot. You can't get us this time, Trinidad and Tobago. But <laughs> And here's how Man. I judge the U.S. MNT roster as someone who does not follow the players of the sport that closely. If you are from a foreign club I have heard of, you gain one point. If you are from the MLS, you lose a point. This U.S. roster boils out to two points. That's more than I thought. We are in a group with England, who is good, but won't win at all because they choke. With They also have I countless points. Yeah. The most points, probably, of any team that Justin will, uh, will encounter on that. Uh, on that, on that does any other country field. have an MLSer? Yes, actually. Oh, wow. Um, lots of people oh, who Canada. are from Canada, lots of people who are from smaller, underdeveloped countries say to themselves, oh, I could go play in like League Two in France, or I could enjoy American citizenship, the standard of living in America, and not have to work as hard and still regularly see the pitch. And so that generally fills out some of the extra spots in MLS. Now, are you asking, does any country have an MLSer on their squad? Yes. I'm sure there's at least one. I have no idea who it would be because I don't follow the MLS because I, I have dignity. Yes, that's what I meant. I'm, I have no doubt there are non-Americans who play MLS. Like, yeah. I mean, Union Omaha are third-tier league team here in Nebraska has a bunch of foreign-born players, for example. And critically, beat Minnesota United. Yep. <laughs> beat an MLS team. I don't think Minnesota United did not have any U.S. World Cup qualifiers, but that'd be so funny if they did. Uh, but yeah, maybe one or two at most, and I'm willing to bet they play for Canada. Of- <laughs> would, you, would you like to know another fun fact about Minnesota United? Absolutely. They beat Liverpool's crosstown rival Everton in a friendly match over the summer. Was that by the transitive property? What's that? Was that who Tim Howard played for? By the transitive property, Union Omaha are a better club than Everton. Massive, massive scenes. Hoot hoot. Hoot hoot. Los Bujos. Yes, Vamos Bujos. Brazen West Omaha attempt to get some Hispanic people out to the game. But anyway, um. Yeah. <laughs> England probably scores very high on my point scale. I imagine yeah. Wales does too, because they have a rarity in this World Cup, a player I have heard of. Hi, Gareth Bale. You're Welsh. Wales. Golf. Real Madrid, in that order. Woo! So, 
Have you seen that? That's the big Gareth Bale meme. Oh, uh, uh, they're just saying things. No. Gareth Bale, when he was at Real Madrid, was asked to list his priorities. He listed Wales as the, the Welsh national team, golf, and then Real Madrid as his three biggest life priorities. He listed them in that order, prompting at the following year's Euro Cup tournament, Wales fans to print those words on the Welsh flag. Beautiful man. I genuinely hope that they go through over us. Uh, Wales, from what I know, they beat Ukraine to get this last playoff spot. So, but oh. because, because they want to play off, that makes my uncultured brain think they must not be that good. We've got a shot. And also closing out the group is Iran. I know it's not Iran, so I'm winging it with Iran, but I think that's how you say it. They are, I have done a bit of research. They are a top 30 team in the world. We're screwed. Yes. Uh, this is another group of death. These are four teams who all could very reasonably go through to a knockout stage. Here is the reason, here's a list of reasons the U.S. won't go through. Uh, I will then give a list of reasons that the U.S. could go through. I promise. Look forward, look forward to that list. (laughs) The reasons that the U.S. won't go through. Iran, as you mentioned, or Iran, if you are singing a flock of seagulls song. Oh, uh, they are uh, a top 30 team, have some great players, play consistently, play very well together. Downsides of Iran. Obviously, do not cheer for Iran. Read the news. Um, also, like, yeah, they have some decent players, but no real standout stars. Wales. Also, ironic that we would end up in a group with two countries we have fought wars against, and then also Wales is there. Um, <laughs> England. Uh, what what group is that not true of with England, though? Like, is there a group you could put England <laughs> in where they wouldn't have two war mates? <laughs> the sun never sets on enemies of the British Empire. Up the IRA. Anyway, um, the English have basically the Prem. Um, every white guy from the Prem. Um, critical players. Uh, Marcus Rashford should be fit for this World Cup. He's gonna be good. Uh, Pickford, I believe, is still in goal. He's alright. Um, he's not like a world class keeper, I don't think, but he, he can hold, hold it down for them. Uh, expect some like wacky stuff with Jordan Pickford. Let me look at this squad real quick. All right. And run down. Okay. So we have Harry Kane from Tottenham, famous player. Yep. Harry Maguire, famous for punching a cop in Mykonos. Based. Jack Grealish of Man City, Phil Foden, Bellingham, Trent Alexander-Arnold of Liverpool, Raheem Sterling of Manchester City, Jordan Pickett, um, yeah, man, they got some ballers, Kyle Walker, Trippier, they're deep. Ooh, Trippier, I remember him from the Euros. And their captain is very, very experienced, Jordan Henderson of Liverpool. The downsides of England, dude, it's England. (laughs) Bad guys of the 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 nineteenth 
uh, century, man. Like, well, what can you say? Otherwise, uh, downsides of England, they choke and they choke hard and they have a tendency to think, oh, we're England. We don't have to pay attention to our group stage matches and then wake up on the last match day and say, oh no, there's no way we can make the knockouts. This was the 2014 England. If we see 2014 England at this World Cup, if we see 2018 England at this World Cup, they made a nice run, played well, respectable team, likable players, as much as I can't cheer for England in international competition. Likable players. For the most part, except for the ones that punch Greek cops. Um, moving on to Wales. We talked, I mean, we talked about Gareth Bale. There are people who will say more about Wales. I would make the argument that they are saying too much about Wales. But that being said, they are a compact, smart, defensively minded side. They have solid players across the board. They have a lot to play for and a lot to prove. This is likely to be Gareth Bale's last World Cup. Is very important to them to make the knockout rounds. Moving on to the United States. On paper, this is one of our best teams in a really, really, really long time. On paper, if you were going to pick, like, a U.S. side to make a semifinal, this would be it. We don't play the game on paper. We play it generally in the United States on AstroTurf. And this team doesn't play together. They're not clinical enough. They're not connected enough. They don't pass well. They don't think about the game well. You have a big collection of players who are not used to playing together, whose FIFA overall ratings are probably like the highest of any U.S. men's national team in a long time, right? As much as Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey were stars, Christian Pulisic is a real one. A genuine, honest-to-God star. Uh Let me pull up the squad again. U.S. and national team. Okay, Christian Pulisic, obviously great. Uh, Giovanni Reina gets a lot of press. He's playing in Europe. Um, Josh Sargent has been in the news lately. I forgot if he got hurt. Let me see if he did. Don't we have a guy on our team who's the son of the president of Liberia? Something like that. Yeah, not everyone who plays for a national team is actually a national of that country. Critical information. I yeah, do. We have one guy who's lived in England all his life. No, no. Yeah, that is the long and short of our group. I am really sorry. I'm getting an important phone call, and I have to cut this podcast short today. I apologize. I got to go handle some shit. All right. Um, uh, all right. Actually, can you hold on for like two minutes? I might be back. Okay. See, I'll see if I can pause this somehow. Hi, it's it's Justin here. Uh Nick had to take a phone call for a bit, so I paused the recording because I didn't know when he'd get back. And uh, I forgot to turn it on, so you missed the entire back half of our conversation about the World Cup. Uh So <laughs> the long and short of it is uh 
Nick does not expect the U.S. to win a single game. It's possible if some weird stuff happens, but all in all, don't expect much. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's got tons of favorite dark horses like Senegal, the Netherlands, Denmark. They could be fun. And, uh, <laughs> I, I feel stupid for not starting the recording again. So this is how this podcast is going to end. <laughs> not ideal, but hey, it's, it's it. It is it. It's it. It's this is it. Sorry. <laughs>